RugbyRenegade.com, the number one online strength and conditioning program for rugby. Are you ready to get bigger, stronger, fitter, and faster and dominate your opposition? Welcome to the Rugby Renegade Podcast, where we build machines. Hello and welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Pro Athlete Supplementation. Check them out at pas-nutrition.co.uk for all your supplementation needs. And don't forget that subscribers to the Rugby Renegade program get a 40% discount on retail prices. Yes, welcome back for episode 49 of the Rugby Renegade podcast. We're, yeah, we're getting close to that 50. Uh, my name is Jamie Bain and today uh, I'm interviewing Mike Guadango of Freak Strength. Uh, Mike's a great strength coach. Um, he's had the privilege of... Um, being not only a coach under Joe DeFranco but also an athlete and um, so that's a, a great experience uh, as well as interning with James the Thinker Smith and Buddy Morris um, to, to drop a few names in there but he's a, a great coach in his own right um, and a real interesting podcast I'm sure it'll get you thinking uh, so give it a listen and let us know what you think. Hi Mike welcome to the Rugby Renegade podcast great to have you on. Uh, why don't we start Thanks for having by... me man. Oh you're welcome why don't we just start by you telling us uh, how you got into strength and conditioning um, and some of the teams and athletes uh, you've worked with and are working with? Well, I, I started off as a kid that was always injured. Um, I was in and out of physical therapy places day in and day out because, you know, I'd, I'd be a wrestler and uh, <laughs> you're always taking trips to the emergency room. So doctors, after the emergency room, write you, uh, after they didn't see if something was wrong, they'd write you scripts for, for MRIs or x-rays and then they'd say, all right, let's go to... Uh, Let's go to physical therapy and work stuff out. So I'd, I'd be in physical therapy from, I don't know, 11, 12 years old uh, and on. And then I'd have, I'd have to work on everything after physical therapy to make sure I just stayed strong. Uh, and then from there, I ended up just joining gyms, working out in the mornings before, before school. And then I ended up joining a gym that was in Waldwick, New Jersey. And in that gym had a trainer named Joe DeFranco, which everyone pretty much knows. So yeah. I, you know, Joe really wasn't that big then. Um, I had seen him go back and forth, you know, into this little closet and I said, well, this guy's pretty jacked. I'll, uh, I, I guess I'll ask him to train me. I'll see what he's got. And I, that was when I was like 16, 17 years old. And from there, you know, I, I trained at Joe's when I was in college then I started actually training people for Joe once I was still in college covering for sessions here and there. And then the second, I, I think, I think the day I graduated or maybe before I even graduated from college, I was at what I was with Joe full time. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm pretty sure everyone has heard of Joe. Um, and I'm glad you, you talked about that. So kind of talk us about that kind of transition from as an athlete into a coach and kind of what you learned from from Joan and what you what that you still apply today well you know it was it was a pretty smooth transition actually um because I was at Joe's for so long that people looked at me as like a leader of the group even even when we had new NFL guys and I was working out with them I knew I knew how everything went so it was just really smooth for me to say, all right, well, hey, let's do this. And Joe would turn his back and have to work with another guy. And I'd work, I'd, you know, I'd, I'd kind of be like, all right, let's, let's get a couple sets here. And they'd, they'd always be asking me, how many sets do we have of this? How many sets of that? And it was, it was really a seamless transition, really. Um, the, the, the toughest part for me with, uh, 
with making that transition was a lot of the guys that were my age or older and had been at the gym a little longer than me, it was tough to kind of get the respect of them early on, but now it's not an issue at all. Those same guys will come in and know that I know my shit, you know, but it, it was, it was just a little, it was like kind of that awkward phase of, well, who's this kid telling me what to do? What the fuck does he know? So to speak, you know, it was tough for them to actually grasp that. But once, you know, it, it, you know, time, time kind of takes care of that, you know? Yeah, definitely. And, and it's a good experience for you to be in that situation and, and learn how to earn that trust. And, and you've obviously done that. Um, so talking specifically about training, what, what are the approaches you took from, from Joe's model? Um, could you go into that a little bit? Um, that I do now or then? Uh, well, let, let's start with then and see see how things have changed over over the years. Well, shit. Then that's all I knew, right? I knew I knew some of the stuff that I did with physical therapy. So some of the some of the concepts that that I'd learned from there, and then you know from other coaches that I worked with. Uh, when I first started with Joe, I my my goal was to be Joe, you know. So I did everything that Joe was doing, and then that to me that was gospel. I didn't know any difference, um, and then. I went to a uh, an internship with Buddy Morris and James Smith. Uh, James Smith being the thinker from yeah. from Global Sport Concepts. He's he's. Have you guys had him on your podcast before? Uh, no, we haven't. But we'd we'd love to get him on. But uh, yeah, definitely uh, aware of him and Buddy as well. Yeah, that's those those are those are two of the best guys in the world at what we do. You know, um, they they really turned my world upside down, and. Once they, they had exposed me to different ideas and different ways of going about doing things. And, and to me, I was like, holy, holy shit. Like, this is, this is totally eye-opening to me. It was, and it was, it was so, so new and so different from anything that I had really done before and a different way of looking at stuff. Because um, even prior to Joe, uh, my, my, brother, my brother was a really, really strong dude. He got into powerlifting, but never, never competed. He just enjoyed doing it. My father... Uh, my father's a very, very thorough guy. You know, he was a finance guy. He, uh, he was, he was a CFO of, of a couple of different companies and he's, he's very type A personality. So anything he does, he just researches the hell out of it. So when my brother started doing a lot of lifting, my dad researched it, buying all powerlifting magazines and he came across, uh, Louis Simmons. And I've, I've been listening to Louis Simmons, uh, tapes since, you know, I was 10, 11 years old and my brother was working out in the basement. So even even when Joe, my my, uh, I, I I guess my I, I'm trying to think of the word the my 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 likement towards Joe right like my 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 respect to Joe was it was kind of confirmation bias, you know uh, because I knew of Louis Simmons already and it made it extra comfortable in my eyes to go towards Joe because oh this guy does West Side too he really must know what he's talking about you know so. So all I really knew back then was West Side, you know, but that was my idea of periodization. Yeah. So coming to Buddy and James, it was, what the fuck are we doing? Well, what do you guys do for, do for your dynamic day? And James is like, There's, what, every day's a dynamic day. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> you know, so it was, my, my mind was just, it, was, it, it took months for me to come, come to come to grips with this, like, Wait, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. Essentially, I thought this was the best way, and it, you know, it's every way is a good way in the right situation. But it was tough for me to understand that. Yeah, 
Um, I think there's kind of two things you touched on there that I want to sort of investigate a little bit further. The first one, obviously, being in that situation, and, and like you say, it's it, what Joe was doing kind of reinforced what you'd already read about, um, and then you've gone to this new kind of eye-opening thing. I think that's important for, for young coaches to understand how, how they kind of take take the good things from other people's models and you know adapt their own. How, how have you kind of used that, and how do you how does that affect your training now? Dude, I, I mean, every everything you do, you're you're taking and you're applying, right? Like now, now I barely read. It sounds it sounds ridiculous. I barely read strength and conditioning uh, to to get my influences as to what I'm gonna do next. I, I read I read all sorts of other materials to really try to learn and grasp other concepts that I can apply to, you know, the the movement field that we're in. You know, strength conditioning or physical preparation or whatever the hell it is that we're that we call ourselves now. Yeah. So, so it doesn't matter what it is. You're, you're learning something and you're figuring out a way to apply it to what it is that you're doing in life. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess because there is so much more information out there in terms of the strength and conditioning stuff, it's, there's almost like a level playing field. So I guess, I guess you've got to look outside, outside, like as, you, as you're doing other things and try and see where they can add to the, the whole picture. Is that, that your kind of approach? Yeah. Yeah, I, it, it sounds it sounds really ridiculous and, and really stupid to say that to learn strength and conditioning. I don't read strength and conditioning, you know, but I mean, obviously, there's I have a really good foundation in it. And, and uh, you know, I, I, I'm always talking to different coaches, but majority of my my learning doesn't really come from there. It comes from basic sciences. It comes from sometimes music. You know, it's it's there's there's a lot of theory that is universally applicable um, from from other realms that we can really apply because strength and conditioning is so it's it's, it's sports where where like James James would say it's in its infant stage right yeah. whereas music has been evolving for centuries where and and math mathematics and and physics it's all been evolving for centuries now and and you know sports really isn't that new. Yeah. Uh, is it, 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 sports really is new it's not that yeah. not that old or that that studied i mean we're just starting to get into the science of sport what within the last five ten years yeah and and so on, on that note where, where do you see things going where do you see the kind of improvements in, in what we're doing as snc or performance coaches oh it's everything's going to be uh science-based everything's going to be tracked and every coach every coach eventually is going to start being more of a scientist, you know, like it's, that's, that's how it should be. So you could learn how to evaluate data and it's scientist and psychologist. That's what the sport coach will probably end up being. Yeah. I I think we all, we all kind of end up being psychologists at, you know, at any point in time, don't we doing, doing this thing as you're working with people. I mean, that's the biggest thing, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, So looking at your, um, you know, kind of influences. Um, you've also, you know, obviously, Joe Franco is uh, an athlete and as a coach. And you mentioned Buddy and James. What, what other influences do you have that you might refer to people? Even some of those ones that might be kind of out of the box ones that you said in different different sort of um, areas to research and have their. Um, well, I think one of the best out of the box guys you can really have is James Smith. He's uh, I, I can't speak highly enough of him. He's phenomenal. Um, but Charlie Francis is someone in, in the field or was in the field. He's, he's absolute or was absolutely brilliant. I thought he was phenomenal. I love his work, his concepts. 
I apply his concepts day in and day out. Dan Paff is another good guy in the field that I really respect and, and, and read a lot of his stuff. But, I mean, there's, there's guys like David Deutsch. Um, David Deutsch is a theoretical physicist. He has some really, really great lectures. James turned me on to him. Okay. Uh, even, even stuff like, uh, do you know who Ray Dalio is? No, don't think so. No. Ray, Ray Dalio is an American investor. Uh, he, has, he has a portfolio um, they, they call it the all weather portfolio or the all weather strategy where essentially it's like concurrent periodization. You're, you're, he, he diversifies his portfolio in a way that he's always protected. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he'll have seven and a half percent in commodities and seven and a half percent in gold. And then he'll have 40% stocks, 30% bonds. And it's, it's a very good, it's, 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 uh, he's, it's asset allocation, right? So you're training speed. You're training flexibility. You're training power. You're you're training strength. You're you're doing all your correctives. Everything is occurring simultaneously, and you're always monitoring the load. And it's nothing sexy, right? It's it's not the sexiest thing in the world, but you'll yield eight, nine, ten percent every single year. And the guys, this is one thing I learned from Charlie Francis. The guys that make the biggest gains aren't the guys that you know, in five, 10 years, aren't the guys that went from, let's say, uh, four, six, 40 to a four, three, 40, but it's the, in, you know, in a, in the six week time, they did that in four or five years because they were injured the least. So the less downside you have, the easier it is to have more and more progressive upside. Yeah. And that's, that's something that I learned from finance even to, to, to almost reaffirm thoughts that I was having and, and yeah. I, it might be confirmation bias. Who, you know, who knows? But I, it's it kind of it, it helps me go more towards in the right direction in my eyes. Yeah, but and also it's a good analogy to use when trying to explain it because you know it makes it seem make a lot more sense. Then like you're you're covering mm -hmm. all your bases and you're getting those slow incremental improvements over the years, not you know every six weeks as you said. Um, so it's, it's a good yeah. way to use it. Yeah, I mean, if you compare if you compare it to investing, right? What does what does every schmuck investor think that they can do? Well, well, let me pick a stock and become a millionaire. I'm going to find the next Amazon. What 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 idiot doesn't think that? You know, every new investor thinks they can do that. Who you talk to a brand new investor and you say, hey, I can get you nine percent every single year for the rest of your life, and then they talk to their one buddy who just had thirty percent one year, but then they don't know that the following year that they're going to have a seventy percent loss. Yeah. You know, so it, no one thinks that slow and steady is sexy, and that's that's kind of the concept that I've learned just like looking at multiple realms of learning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the point you made was also was the, you know, the fact that they're, they're injury free because you're not doing these radical extreme training programs. They're ones that keep you fit and healthy and in the long term that keeps you on the field. And, and we know that, you know, more successful teams are the teams that have, you know, all, all their players, you know, fit and available. So again, it's a, another exactly. big point. Um, so you mentioned uh, you're a wrestler, um in high school i believe um what do you think like obviously the physicality of of rugby there's things that you perhaps take from wrestling is there any anything that you've used um from your wrestling background yeah there's there's different personalities for every sport right i mean and and you know certain personalities the the most successful personalities in certain sports like like rugby those guys are grinders 
right? Wrestling, those guys are grinders, and you kind of need to train people according to their personality because the, the mental stability aspect of it is is a huge thing. Like they need to feel like they're they're doing the right thing. Otherwise, it doesn't. I mean, it, it doesn't even matter what you do. They just won't respond properly. So it's. I pl- I played baseball and I wrestled, and wrestling taught me one thing that was really important was majority of people that play sports are pussies. Um, they, <laughs> the, the different personalities, unless they're involved in really hard contact sports, I mean, basketball players, baseball players, you know, you got tennis players, golfers, it's, they're, they're not physical sports, like they're kind of physical, but it's, it's really, it's not that soccer players, right? Whereas you go to rugby, you go to football, you, you, you go to wrestling, and even football compared to wrestling and rugby, there's, there's big hits, but there's not like those grinding type moments where fatigue sets in and everyone becomes a coward when fatigue sets in, right? So they, they, they don't really get exposed to that type of stuff. So to know different personalities with different sports and how to talk to different people, uh, if I didn't wrestle, I wouldn't understand that, that wrestler's mentality, that rugby player's mentality. I wouldn't appreciate it and what they feel like they need to do. I'd just talk to them and say, what are you, stupid? Just trust me on this. <laughs> Whereas now I, I genuinely understand what they really want to do with themselves and how they think they need to get there. And it'll help you tailor your message as to why you're doing what you're doing or tailor your program. And you know when to motherfuck them and when not to. Yeah. And again, it goes back to psychology. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. Exactly. Cool. Now, this is a question we, we ask all the guests on the podcast, and um, usually specifically to rugby, but if you want to just talk about athletes in general, what do you think is the biggest mistake rugby players make when it comes to strength and conditioning? I, I just think they work too damn hard. They, 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 they overwork so much. I mean, sport practices in every single realm, it doesn't matter what it is, it's, it's always done wrong. Uh, they... They, they work themselves to the bones too much in, in practices in preparation for the game, and they don't realize that they're robbing Peter to pay Paul, right? Yeah. So I, I think having a more, a more organized approach with how what you're doing in the weight room and then what you're doing on the field is actually going to translate and help you onto the field. It, you know, is guys guys will sit there and they'll, they'll motherfuck you with, you know, max, max rep squats where – how does it really translate, right? Like I've had, it, for, for uh, American football, for instance, I've had some of the big, strong guys, linemen, offensive linemen, defensive linemen, these are the real big, strong guys on the field, not bench, squat, or deadlift. Well, and, and still get like all pro. How does that happen, right? If this, if these are strength-oriented positions, and yet I didn't train them in traditional strength uh exercises in order to yield the adaptation that they needed to on the field so clearly the exercise selection isn't optimal right so we need to there's just needs to be a a big reevaluation that occurs yeah and so could you give an example of kind of what what type of work you did do with them so for for one of my dns right um dn is like a big skill guy yeah we'll do tons of speed work we'll train them like we'll train them essentially like 60 meter sprinters, right? And they'll, because they're, they're kind of hybrid. Sometimes they have to run, sometimes DNs have to end up doing special teams work and they'll have to run longer distances, but it's literally 60, 70 meters. 
is what they're going to end up having to sprint all while dodging, you know, <laughs> dodging different enemies, essentially. Yeah. Um, so we do speed work, we do plyometric work, but as far as strength work goes, one of the most overlooked aspects of training is speed work will make you stronger. Strength work doesn't necessarily make you faster because it all translates to force, right? So when you're running really fucking fast, there's a lot of force that you're producing and a lot of force that you're yielding. Right, produce producing force and absorbing force are are the two ways to get stronger. So you expose yourself to to that stimulus, and it's it's force at a specific rate, right? Like it's a rate of movement, and that's what's specific to the sport. Whereas you're in the weight room, okay, let's say you're coming comparable to to the forces you're producing, right? Well, I, I think if you're running top speed. You're five to six times your body weight. Well, if you weigh if you weigh a hundred, you weigh a hundred kilos times two uh, times five to six times your body weight. That's five six hundred kilos, right? Yeah. But in, in tenths of a second, how are you going to simulate that in a squat rack on one leg? It's 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 tough to make that kind of conversion. So, for for things to transfer over properly, it's it's not necessarily done in the weight room. So what we'll do, we'll do majority of speed work and we'll make sure that they're within like 10, 5, 5, 10% of their maxes at all times with the speed work, with, with whether it's 10 meter runs, 20 meter runs, they're always going to be within 10, 5, 5, 10% of their PRs in order for it to count as actual speed work. Um, so then from there, we'll do unilateral work. We'll do posterior chain work. And it's kind of like chicken soup almost, where as long as you're getting the basic units of work done, it, it kind of covers all bases because you already exposed yourself to the proper force. You don't really need to blow your load in, in the squat rack as you normally would if you're not doing the running. So majority of our work is based on speed work, speed and power work. Yeah. And that goes back to, um, you mentioned Charlie Francis, and that's one of the big things I, I took from him is, like, obviously you use Ben Johnson as an example, that some of his best um, strength records were recorded when he was focusing on the speed work. Um, yeah. And, and it's a classic example of, of, you know, that's what actually produces it, improving the, the neuromuscular system's ability to produce force. Um, so you're just highlighting that. Um, and you yep. touched on a little bit there about, um, obviously, uh, issues with the the technical tactical training and the, sometimes the volumes of that being too much and I, I've read a lot of stuff by James Smith regarding that how 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 would you go approach uh, go about approaching that sort of dealing with the the sports coaches um, what dealing with the personalities of sport coaches or let's say perfect world scenarios uh, let's say both <laughs> Well, dealing dealing with the sport coaches, you just got to sit there and you got to kiss their ass and slowly slowly <laughs> manipulate them. Like that's that's really what you got to do if if you if you really want to get stuff done. I mean, these guys are really hard headed. It's 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 tough to they're, they're stuck in their beliefs. You know, um, it's 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 very difficult to make make that kind of headway with with coaches, especially if they've had some success. Right. Well, we had a ton of success doing it this way for a long time. How are you going to tell me that we're not going to have it again? You know, so it's that's that's a slippery slope. Uh, and, and that's, again, more psychology. But perfect world scenario. I mean, think about the average the average game. Figure out what that athlete is doing. 
And then you work backwards from there. So if that athlete runs 10, 10 ins, 10 outs, whatever, right? You, you figure out their maxes in each one, and then you try to make that, that's their that's what you're working up to for the training load. So you organize, you organize practices in, in that type of sense. So receivers need to run X amount of routes with doing this. And then DNs need to run X amount of plays doing that. Uh, and, and you structure preseason based around what you find their average, their, their average total is going to be throughout each game. And then you need to slowly progress them up to that. That's how you prevent injury. Yeah. And again, it's 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 simple. You find out what they need to be prepared for, and then you you slowly progress them to that in a in a safe manner. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but it's you know it's there's that's a real tough thing to do. You know, I mean, we that's this is a perfect world scenario. Yeah. Assuming you have control of every single stimulus in the environment, which just that's just that's that's not real life. No. You know, there's these these guys they sleep like shit every other day. Right. They, they get in arguments with their girlfriends or, or they have this going on with their family and this person stole money from them and that. So so you have all these other stressors that you've got to worry about with these guys. And then you need to worry about what, 53 men on a, 60 guys, 60, 61 guys on an NFL roster, including practice squad guys. And you need to pu- make sure that they're all on the same exact page and everyone gets the same sleep every single day and everyone's getting the same nutrition every single day. I mean, that's not reality. Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's not how life works. How many, how many uh, players on a roster of a rugby team? Uh, varies, but you know, around 40. So that's still yeah, a good number. Good luck. Yeah. Good luck. Even the NBA, <laughs> the NBA has what? 12 guys on a roster. Best of luck controlling 12 guys. There's no, especially guys, 12 guys that have millions of dollars, at, like unlimited funds, and can do whatever the hell they want the second they leave the stadium. Yeah, best of luck. <laughs> cool. Um, just looking through. So last last kind of deep question for you. Uh, what, uh, what sort of advice would you give to an upcoming strength coach? <sighs> yeah, don't rush. Do not rush on trying to become the guy right uh that, that was that was i don't want to say it was a mistake i made because I'm, i've never been the guy but i i was uh, too many people really want to be well known and everyone wants a super big following and everyone wants to be the sexy guy with all the sexy athletes and all this stuff right like it's, it, it's, it's it, just, just learn right but it, to to waste your time on spitting spitting out nonsense when you're really unsure of it is it, the, the first 10 years first 10 years you spend really learning the craft then the next 10 years you usually spend developing your own craft within that craft and then the following 10 years you usually spend perfecting it right so everything takes time don't don't rush into anything um you look you look in strength and conditioning and a, a coach will say something stupid like well i've been doing this over, over 10 years well, you go into any other profession, look at a fucking accountant. It, an accountant does this for 10 years, and you say, okay, so what? My, my uncle's an accountant for 30 years. Big deal, right? But, but people will say stuff like this is like a badge of honor. Like, hey, it takes so much more time than we, actually, than we actually give it to develop. That's the most important thing to do. Just give yourself time. Learn everything you possibly can. You have to constantly just dive in and learn and learn and learn and and don't just think strength and conditioning you got to learn physiology you have to learn anatomy you have to learn 
physics. You have to learn mathematics. These are, these are all things that are applicable to our field that are completely underutilized. Too many guys are worried about sets and reps where they really just don't understand the body to begin with. Yeah, that's great advice. Yeah, I think everyone, it's that um, just human nature at the moment, it seems to be just everyone wants, you know, results straight away, whatever it might be. But um, yeah, you got to put the got to put the hours in, you got to put the time in and, uh, and like you say, keep on learning as well. So some great points there. Um, lastly, uh, what's what's kind of the future for you? And where can people learn more about yourself? Um, future for me? Well, right now, I'm in I'm in school still. Um, or I went back to school, so I'm, I'm currently working on getting my doctorate in uh-huh. acupuncture. Yeah, um, really, really out there type thing, but it's, it's, it's like a new language, right? And it's, it's going to expand my thinking. Rather than going for physical therapy, which I'm, I'm really Western-based, I want to ex- expand on how, how, I'm looking at, how I'm looking at things and expand my problem-solving and try to look at it from multiple angles. So... I, I'm, I'm working on that end. And then on top of that, I have a lot of really high end guys, um, you know, uh, very, very, like very elite level athletes that, that I'm working with exclusively. And the demand for my time becomes, it becomes more and more valuable. So I don't, I don't know how I'm going to manage everything, but I, I, I foresee myself probably doing more, doing not not consulting based work but doing more private coaching than i am group coaching uh later on because it's it's just the caliber of athlete that i'm working with i need to i need to do a lot more traveling all over the country right now for for different guys so it's 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 a lot of work ahead of me so i i think the things are kind of going to transform a little bit from my gym uh my gym aspect and it'll it'll probably grow into more private type stuff I don't know though. I mean, who who knows? I mean, these guys could dump me tomorrow. So, and then I'm just right back to where I started. So, who the hell knows? <laughs> um, and in terms of the athletes you're working with now, what particular sports are you? Any and all, or are you trying to work with a certain type of athlete? I, you know, I'm I'm really not biased. I can, I I have a good idea as to how to approach most most sports. And if I don't, I just you know learn about it and I research the hell out of it and. That's, you know, that's what I do. So right now, my primary, my primary source of income comes from uh, professional baseball, professional American football, and NBA, and professional basketball. So I, I literally work with three completely different sports, but I'm not, I, I work with them, but not limited to, you know? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. And, and uh, yeah, lastly, where can people learn more about yourself? I have... For, for strength conditioning or, or physical preparation only, go to freakstrength.com, uh, my Freak Strength Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook page, at, at Freak Strength. Or if you want to learn about me as a dude, I, I pretty much post outlandish shit on my personal pages for, uh, <laughs> for, for Facebook I, I, and, and Twitter and Instagram. It's Aquadango for Twitter and Instagram, GUA. D A N G O or uh, Mike Wadango on Facebook. Cool, and we'll we'll share all of those uh, links in our in the show notes. Um, but Mike, thanks so much for for giving us your time and and sharing uh, your advice. Um, uh, great to speak to you, and I appreciate how busy you are, and uh, you made time to to uh, get on the get on a call with us and have a good chat. So uh, thanks very much, and all the best for the future. 
My pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Oh, you're welcome. It's been great. Yes, once again, thank you, Mike, for taking the time to speak to us. Uh, really inf- interesting conversation. I'm sure you guys will get tons out of that. Um, kind of big things for me are, are looking at what um, what you're doing. Is that actually improving performance, or is it just you know you think oh I need to get them strong in the squat, for example? Um, and also, uh, where else can you look outside the box, outside the sort of strength and conditioning um, arena? At, finding different ways for you to improve your program and your your philosophy and your coaching uh so awesome stuff uh in the meantime of course check us out at rugbyrenegade.com um check us out at all the all the social media facebook instagram twitter everything um more to come from the podcast episode 50 should be coming soon um so please subscribe to us on soundcloud stitcher TuneIn, or itunes whatever you use and of course please give us a five star review and any questions um that you want us or the guests to answer please you know get them to us um that's the purpose of the podcast to give you more information so let us know what you're struggling with or what you need help with and uh, we'll either answer it ourselves or get our guests to answer it Until next time. Thanks for listening to the Rugby Renegade podcast. For more quality rugby strength and conditioning information, check us out at rugbyrenegade.com. Rugby Renegade, building machines.